hello, and welcome to the Heartfelt Clubhouse. I am your host, BBC, and I am joined with the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Baby. Introduce yourself a little bit. Hello, everyone. I'm Nick Thomas Smith. Um, I'm happy to be here on the Heartfelt Club. Uh, I think we're going to have some fun today, right? Oh, hell some yeah. Some good questions. Yes, so we actually met... Gosh, what, 2015, 2016? 2015, probably. Yeah. Yep, we went to University of Arkansas. Um, I was only there a semester. He did all four years. Yes, and yeah, so really only overlapped the semester because I was yeah. a senior when you were a freshman. And you played football there, correct? I did. I yes, did. Sir. I took the, took the long route or the walk on, earned a scholarship. So it was a great time still love Fayetteville still go back yes so he has a really impressive story just within that regard um but out of curiosity what kind of brought you to heartfelt what spoke to you you know what I think that men's mental health and has been stigmatized for a long time and especially as an athlete as a black athlete um mental health was def isn't definitely not talked about enough in the black community definitely not talked about enough in the men male community and um especially in sports so there's so many things that i uh specifically went through with my own mental health even if i didn't really recognize it yeah. at the time that like dang i'm really struggling um so i just think it's important i, I love to speak on it now because somebody may relate to what i have to say and you know i may look like them yeah so i think that's important yeah and do you kind of feel like the waves are coming where people are really starting to like be into mental health now. Like, are you seeing yeah. that change? Yeah, I mean, I think even the NFL, which there's a lot of different things that people feel about the NFL, but um, just seeing somebody like Dak Prescott, who specifically said like, I really struggled. And he went through a lot with you know passing of his brother and his mm -hmm. own mental health. And, um, but it's just, it's, it's being destigmatized at a very high levels, which is important because, you know, the grassroots is so important, but at, at some point you need people with power mm -hmm. who can, who have a, a very large voice too. You need the smaller voices, but you need the large voices as well. So I definitely think it's changing. I think it's becoming way more common to say, hey, I'm not doing well. Yeah. And I think that's so important to our, for our society as a whole. Yeah. And as of right now, what do you do for work? I am in employee relations um, for a financial investment company in St. Louis, where I'm from, and um, so I deal with a lot of mental health on a, on a regular basis just because um, I work for a, a company who cares a lot about its, its associates, so, you know, we tell people all the time, like, if, if you can't bring your best self to work, then don't come to work, yeah. and let, let's figure out how we can support you through that. Um, there's obviously a bunch of things outside of mental health that go into employee relations that I won't get into because they're not as fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's become a big part of my life, mm. and I think that's important because I was I've been a jock before. Like, yeah, you know, therapy was for crazy people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. But you know, I've been immensely sad before. I've been depressed, and again, maybe didn't know what how to verbalize that yeah. or communicate it um so i think it's important that we can help people do that yeah know? completely and when you're like you know day in day out having these conversations 
do you find that that can be like draining? Oh, 100%. You know, um, I think for me personally, I've done a good job of compartmentalizing. You know, uh, when I took on the role that I have now, you know, they tell you that the work is inherently negative. Like I do performance management, behavioral management, deal with personal situations yeah. with associates. So um, there's not a lot of times people are calling me like, Nick, I have great news for you. Yeah. Like it's usually, I have bad news for you. Yes. Um, so, but I really don't get tied up into it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I know my bosses have told me that people struggle in the work that I do because yeah. they do get tied into it. Like somebody's crying you on the phone telling you their sob story and you know it's like people can't handle that all the time so I, I think I do a good job of it but I try to check myself you know do my own self-test like you know hey I know recently or a couple maybe a couple months ago I told my leader I just I need a mental health day because yeah. we, I was dealing with a um, a lot of just sad stuff you know and things out of my control not really things I could can you know I had a say in, but I was yeah. just like, it's becoming a lot. And so I just took a sick day and said like, I'm gonna use it as mental health. Like I feel fine physically, but like I need a day to not do this work. And yeah. she was supportive of that. So that was, that was cool. How did it feel to say that, you know? You know what? I never thought I would be the one to say that too. But like, as I grow older and reflect on experiences and start to acknowledge feelings that I have, yeah. Um, it's easier to say. And again, I think that the idea of mental health being destigmatized makes that an easier conversation to have at work. Yeah. You know, that was not something people were, conversation people were having at work, like, you know, multiple things that we may get into. Um, but it, it felt good. Now, I, I, people would say mental health day for about just about anything. Yeah. So as the HR guy, people are always like, you guys don't give us mental health days. And I'm like, you, you have sick days. Like, if you're not feeling well, that's what it's for. But I could get up on the table. Yeah. We won't get on that. <laughs> so I will say like, our friendship totally developed, honestly, like I would say through social media right. and having conversations, yeah. not even like arguments, but conversations mm -hmm. about differing opinions and yeah. things. Yeah. And you've been my voice of reason for like a variety of situations. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the most recent ones was like you telling me to pick my battles. Yeah. Like kind of what you were talking about of it being in your control mm -hmm. and kind of how you can choose what you interact with, right? right? And that can be to protect your mental health. Mm -hmm. So is that something you feel like you're strong at? Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, before I went to therapy, and I went to therapy, I wanna say January of 2020, you know, did a few mm. sessions, but um, I had to let go a lot of, I had to let go of a lot of things. And what it taught me was that not everything requires you, your energy, mm -hmm. right? Like, like I said, pick your battles, like, if you see something that triggers you online or somebody says something that's triggering, you can choose to interact with it, but is that something that you wanna put your energy towards? Is it paying you? Is the interaction going to better your life or your family's life or your mm -hmm. friend's life? Or you just, your own ego is saying, I need to respond. Yeah. 
when you know that back and forth is not going to lead to anything beneficial for you. Yeah. So it's like you have drained yourself of this energy going back and forth with someone who's not going to see it your way. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it was probably trying to provoke you. In some yeah. Way. Right. Right. They people. I think people do a lot of things to get a reaction out of you. And I think the work that I do because it is can be emotionally draining because I'm often talking about bad news or negative yeah. situations somebody's not good at their job somebody's not showing up to work things like that it's just like i do this work where i have to interact in these situations yeah. because it's what pays me so when i hear people get into it about things that are not going to better their lives i'm like why yeah. like you don't want that trust me i do it all day <laughs> you yeah. know so that's something i just i try to preach to all my friends i'm like whether it's on social media or it's in a relationship like you know if this relationship is draining you emotionally you need to take a step back and do an evaluation of the re relationship because why yeah you know like sometimes there's other circumstances where it's like you know a parent you know your parents or you are co-parenting with somebody so there has to be interaction there but a lot of times it's not so yeah. pick your battles is, is yeah, I remember my freshman year, I was in just a super toxic relationship, and I vividly remember one of my coaches telling me, no one should have power over your emotions other than you. Mm -hmm. And so he and I kind of worked together to realize, you know, that you can, you can choose how you react to an extent, you know? Like, you could do something that really fucking pisses me off, but it's my choice to get pissed off about it, right? right? Or right. it's my choice to be like, we're not gonna hash this out right now. Like we both need to calm down. Mm -hmm. And I think that was definitely a turning point, but also like that takes so long to actually learn. Right. You know, like right. I was not an adult in college. <laughs> like I'm still not an adult. Um, but I think that was that's something I see in you is like that ability, and I think that emotional intelligence is like so impressive. Well, thank you. And I, I didn't have it for a long time. There's probably people who have interacted with me like, that is not Nick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they're commenting. Right, right. Like, right. Uh -huh. Nick is confrontational, you know, but I don't know. It, it's definitely a change over the last couple of years because I do think I was argumentative and combative yeah. and I always had to get my word in or get my say or be the last one to say something. But I'm just like, why? Yeah. Like, because when you're in an argument with somebody, at that time, your response means so much to you. Yeah. But if you just take a step back, come back to the situation, maybe a couple hours in the next day, you feel so good. And you're like, I'm so happy I didn't continue that. Like, yes. you feel so good. Like, because that interaction did not change anything for my life in yeah. the next few hours or in the next day. But had it been a bad interaction, I may not have felt good about myself or about it, and now I'm holding on to that. Yeah. So I was like, I put myself through that for for what reason? Yeah. Do you feel like maybe men and women differ in that area? Yeah, I think so, but I really don't even know if I think it's gender specific. I think it's just your personality. Like I know women who can be like, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say my piece, and I know men who are like, I'm gonna say my piece, and then there's the other side of people who are like. I'm just not gonna say anything. Yeah. And then that triggers the side who like yeah. wants to have an argument. Yeah. Like, of course. Um, so I, I think it's it's just people. I think it's human nature. Mm -hmm. um, you can't really 
there's no like group of people who do it more. I think it's just how you were born and how your things fire in your brain. I will say, I feel like there's, and this is honestly just from my experience with dating, it's easier for women to be like, I don't want to talk about this right now, mm-hmm. we'll talk later, as opposed to a man saying that. Oh, yeah. Because really quickly, and I, I used to do this all the time, I probably still will when I start dating again, um, and it's a bad trait to have, but I'll be like, no, we're fighting about this now, or right. you don't care, yep. right? And it's not even, there's no way that's true, it's yeah. like, you should have that space as a man to be like, I'm struggling to control my emotions right now, I'm going to step away, right. we'll talk about this when it's smarter to talk yeah. about this. I And I think you're 100% right there because I remember being in those situations and you know we talked about it like I I dated a girl who was just like me where it was Mm -hmm. we're going to go back and forth both love to communicate we were not going to let anything go unspoken yeah and sometimes you just talk in circles because you just talk and talk and talk and you really don't even solve anything because you're not listening to one another you're just arguing like who can get the last word in? Who can sound better? Who can be, who's the one that's right? And I think the people who have, again, the emotional intelligence to say, I just can't have this conversation yeah. right now, is important. And you should let those people do that. And if they don't want to have a conversation you know that needs to be had, then again, you reevaluate the relationship. Yes. You know, you don't reevaluate. You know, they're not gaslighting you. They're not creating a false reality. They just don't want to have that conversation. And if they don't want to have it and it's important, then maybe they're not the best significant other. Yeah. Okay, so going back, you have, like, a very impressive and intricate, like, athletic career. Mm-hmm. But within that, you also had so much emotional growth. Yeah. So I definitely kind of want you to speak on your your self-development how did all of mental health look for you yeah so um like i said i was a walk-on and for people who don't know what that means it's where you play for the team and you pay your way you know you're not on a scholarship like most division one um athletes and at this time college football was all or nothing right like you get a full ride or you don't get a college yeah i'm pretty sure division one college football for Mm -hmm. the most part is full ride there's no half scholarships or anything at least athletically yeah um so paying my way tried out as a freshman when i got to school didn't make it devastated tried out again second semester made it got on the team like that was the first checkbox like okay i'm here you know, I made it through freshman year and got into our, my sophomore year and I figured I was going to redshirt. So I was like, okay, just get bigger, stronger, faster. And then um, my junior came around and I'm like, okay, this is when I think like I should play now, get on special teams. Again, I didn't have all American aspirations. I was just, I wanted to prove that I was supposed to be here. Yeah. And junior year didn't go how I wanted it you know, had a tough relationship with my position coach. And I'm not one of those people who was like, my position coach didn't let me play. Like, yeah. it was more of, we, he didn't like me. And I just knew I wasn't gonna get very far with him. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can't quit. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's just, I didn't have quit in me. So I get to my senior year, really work hard in the off season and, um, and prepared to like, I'm, I'm gonna get a shot. Some things, you know, 
the dice rolled my way a few times and uh, you know was ready to you know get on special teams do that type of thing and, and started to see some things kind of fall apart as the mm. season neared and I remember thinking like I've been working so hard for this and hard work had got me so far for so long and I'm feeling like it's not paying off and that's like the old the mantra is hard work pays off and it's tough as an athlete when you're like I'm working my tail off yeah I'm doing everything they're asking of me and I'm still not getting a shot mm. and that was very emotional for me because at that point I had rolled my identity up in not just being a football player but like being a, a contributing football player, like yeah. to really feel a part of the team. Like I wasn't there for a, a backpack in a jersey. Like I was there because I'm like, I know what type of football player I am. And I remember um, having a really emotional conversation with my strength coach about like, I feel like they're trying to break me, right? Like, why are they trying? Why? It's like, I'm holding on by a thread. Yeah. And you know, by the grace of God, Ended up getting on special teams the first game of my senior year and just, you know, was feeling like I was living the dream. And then it was taken away for a few weeks. And now I'm, I'm back to where I was where I'm like, okay, I'm not playing again. I don't know why. Nobody's explained anything to me. Yeah. And that probably brought me to my maybe my lowest point mm. as an adult to that at, at that point in my life um, because I was like, this just doesn't feel right. Like, I yeah. remember just driving home from practice and being like, do I even want to be here anymore? Like, do I want to live anymore? And I was just, and I was fully aware that this is a thought process I've never had yes. before. Yes. And that was the toughest. Is like, it wasn't like I had had those thoughts before. But, you know, I had some really good people in my life. And again, by the grace of God, Ended up playing at Bama, which was something I had never imagined my entire life. Um, that was a big deal for me as a yeah. walk on and finished the season, played played a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we get to the end of the season and we're, we're prepping for a bowl game. And my head coach called me over and he's like, you know, will you come back for another year? Because I had planned to be done. Will you come back for another year if I put you on scholarship? So I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> what? 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 Like, I, I still remember that moment so vividly, just being yeah. like, I thought I had already gotten everything I wanted, right? right? I had I had checked the boxes that people said that I wouldn't check. And it just like, you know, it goes to show you that there is, there is glory at the end of the story, but the story is not pretty. And yes. like, you need people, whether that's friends, family, Professional medical professionals. There's sometimes people that have to dig. You have to dig you up out of the dirt. Yeah. They have to pick you up and brush you off, and you have to let people be there for you to do that. Yeah. It's never weak to say I need help or yeah. I need a hand or I'm not doing well, because the people that love you want to hear that from you, and if they don't, get rid of those people. Yeah. You know. So. Um, I think you touched on a really impressive point. And something that, like, regardless of if you're an athlete or not, like, you can relate to. Like, as humans, we do this weird thing of putting our worth into something we can't control, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I was the same way with soccer. And it could be taken away at any moment, right? So right. people who put it within their careers or, you know, like, 
maybe my worth comes from being a really good wife or something, mm -hmm. while that's like commendable and admirable, it's not realistic because that kind of thing is not in your control. Mm -hmm. And so when you lose that, it can really make you spiral. And I think especially from my interactions with men, it's like, that's something you're not necessarily pushed to search for. Like, mm -hmm. like you put your worth in something and people kind of are like, yes, perfect. Right. Keep your worth there yeah. as opposed to like, but what's your purpose? Right. Like, you know? Um, right. So is that something you kind of experienced too? Yeah, I think so. And I think that I was able to detach myself from football very quickly when I got done. And I've seen teammates and people I don't know have a really hard time with that detachment because, you know, I was really good in school. I lived a, a privileged lifestyle growing up. You know, my, my mom gave me everything I needed. She set me up to live the life that I, you know, even do today. Like, um, so when I finished college, I knew that I had options, right? Yeah. I knew where I was gonna land. I knew I was gonna, I, I had aspirations to be like my mom. Like I'm gonna be in an office one day. I'm gonna put on a suit and tie. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's who I was gonna be, I knew. Um, but I think a lot of people struggle with that, especially in athletics. It's like, okay. And especially with football, which is a sport, you can't play forever. <laughs> like, you know, like basketball, yeah. you can go overseas and play a long time. You can play golf your whole life. Yeah. You know, you can go play soccer. There's soccer everywhere. Mm -hmm. But people aren't just putting aren't putting football leagues together so you can go live out your yeah. dream. And then your body breaks down more than probably any other sport yeah. than football. So um, I think that I was able to take my experience in college and use it to drive me to where I was going to go next. Like, I knew I could, as someone who didn't have a lot of work experience in college, I was able to take my college experience and communicate that in a job interview. Like, yeah. this is who I am as a person. And this is why you should see my worth because of the, the things I've been able to accomplish in my life thus far. And that usually resonated with yeah. people. So I think if you can, whatever it is that you do, even if your accomplishment was in college, communicate those accomplishments to people and why you think you got there mm -hmm. because everybody can res sports resonates with everyone you know and it's it's not just sports like it's i went through something tough and i made it through and yes that is a story that everyone can relate to yeah so i think that's important so where do you kind of place your worth now Ooh, that's a good question because like the reality is you don't you're worthy. Right. Every even if you wanted to lay in this bed all damn day, like your ass is still worthy. You right. know? So it's right. like it's interesting to kind of see where people, you know, actually place their worth. Right. In a society where a lot of times it's in success or accomplishments and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think I don't and I was actually talking to my Bible study group about this, is that I don't look too far ahead anymore. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the finish line often never feels as good as we think it will. Yeah. You know, like you want something so bad, you put your whole life, and it feels great for that moment. Maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a year, maybe two, maybe ten. But we don't, we live much longer than that. Yeah. So when 
I try to live every day like I'm gonna get to where I need to get by doing the work today. Yeah. Right? And I think my worthiness comes from what type of human being am I? Yeah. What type of relationships do I have? We've talked about like I have a phenomenal group of friends. I have a great family. My worth is is tied up into I've created that, those relationships, those strong relationships. And that's where I applaud myself is that, man, I have put some really great people in my life. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel good. Uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that like at some point turns into like a wife one day. Like, let me find a good wife. Yeah. Right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's next, hopefully. But, um, yeah, I think that's probably the only thing that's important to me right now. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know during your collegiate career, you were kind of like the man, right? Like Ooh. he has, so he's, you're a few years older than me. Yeah. My age group, some of our closer friends, they kind of were your little little minions. <laughs> yeah, well, shout out to the Trying to Be Grown podcast. Yes. But yeah, she's referring to them. You know, I, you know, I don't think I ever tried to be a role model, but you know, I wanted it to be cool to like, it's cool to get good grades. Yeah. It's cool to go to class. It's cool to work your tail off in the weight room because like you get to a certain level of college sports and like, you know, the cool thing is like, I don't go to class, but I still play. I hang yeah. out in the back of the weight room, you know? I So I would definitely not refer to myself as the man, but I think that if somebody were to see me, they would be like, that's something that I can aspire to be like, yeah. you know, like, cause I don't have all the stats. I don't have an all American and all conference and all that jazz. And that's great. Cause I would have taken it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, I think that there's things that, you know, if I speaking of my little minions, like if there's any things that they remember about me, like Nick just did it the right way. Yeah. You know, and I'd like to do it the right way too. Like it's cool to do it like that. And as you've kind of evolved and, you know, they have evolved, how has your conversation about mental health in that friend group either increased or like changed? What's the dynamic there? You know what? It's interesting because, you know, it, it's not weird to talk about. Yeah. Right, like I was on the Trying to Be Grown podcast and I think we hit on it at some mm -hmm. point just about like, because I think mental health is so important to so many different things. We might've hit on like relationships, yeah. but. And we'll leave if, that here because that episode was like fire. <laughs> but like overall insecurity as a man breeds so many like bad things within a relationship, so, or relationship, so if you can't be secure in who you are as a person, I think what we talked about is, you know, my woman has this, or maybe she has more than me. Are you insecure about that? You know what I mean? Or my woman looks like this, like, yeah. you know, golly, she's beautiful and I'm not, you know, like, are you insecure about that? Because like, she wants to go out and be cute or, you know, she's, she pays the mortgage at the house because she has a great job. Yeah. Like those insecurities are things that have really been passed down through generations, similar to that men can't cry, yeah. men can't be upset, men can't be sad or depressed. That's not a male trait. 
you know, all of it, all of it connects with one another. And, you know, so it's, it's important just to talk about that. And we don't have any problem talking about those things. And um, I can say when we were in college, when they were freshmen in 2015, 2016, we were talking about that yeah. about five, six years ago. So yeah. you can, you know that things have changed. Yeah, and it's super interesting because I had the honor of being on that podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And also like my conversations, I was able to reconnect with them off of our growth with mental mm-hmm. health, you know? And now it's like, like you said, when we were freshmen in college, like none of that. No way would I ever picture myself sitting down and talking about mental health with them. Right. <laughs> like at all. So it's like, I love that either it's because of COVID or just how the world is evolving. Mm-hmm. But now it is becoming more commonplace to talk about mental health and everything. Like yeah. you have been so open about you have gone to therapy mm-hmm. and how you felt about it. And yeah. so is that also something that you've spoken on with them? You know, I don't know if we've spoken about it directly, but it's something I'm pretty outspoken about, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't, I'm never hiding it. Like, you know, we've talked about it. I went to therapy because I had a a lot of skeletons in my closet that I just needed to release. And I've had such good people around me and Nick, you're, you're so great. And you know, you're, you're such, you're such a good person and this, and I'm just like, that's not helped me feel better though, you know? And sometimes you just need to go have a conversation with a stranger who doesn't know anything about you, whose opinions are not based on what they know about you. And that was so important for me just to go and just kind of speak my truth and feel like I've not let this go because I used to tell the same story to all my friends and I would get the same feedback. Like, yeah. oh, you're so self-aware and you just, you're so good about this, that, and the other. Yeah, it's almost that toxic positivity. Yeah. Yeah. Like not saying on purpose. Right, and it's like, out of love. Like yeah. it's, it's, completely it's like I'm supporting you, I'm supporting you. Yeah, but it just like wasn't, it wasn't helping. And I just remember the first time I went and I was just like, man, I think I cried to Joyce. Joyce Coleman, shout out shout Joyce out. Coleman. <laughs> shout out Joyce Coleman, Creepcore, Missouri. Um, but... I left there and I just felt like so relieved as if like I had left a piece of what was weighing me down for so long in that room with her. I cried. I'm like, I'm crying in front of this this stranger. I don't know how to cry in front of people. Like, what in the world? Yeah. But crying isn't a bad thing. Um, Then I went again and did the same thing. And she really just shifted my mindset to things I can be grateful for now and the things that I'm beating myself up about beating myself up about did not keep me from my current blessings right so it's like you're beating yourself up but like you're still good things are still happening for you like yes the world is not beating you down you are beating yourself down and once you can forgive yourself for whatever Mm -hmm. happened then you'll be able to move on. And once I was able to do that, it's like this light bulb went off in my life and I've been able to handle other things so much better by getting rid of the old and being able to reflect on the fact that what is most important, Yes. right? So yeah, it was huge for me. There, there's been research and, and studies have kind of shown that we as humans, so let's say for instance, you're about to go to the dentist right and you know that it's going to be an hour of pure pain Mm -hmm. right and you have this 
one option of an hour of pure pain and then the second option of two hours of pure pain, right? So you would think that as a human, you would pick the first one. But studies have shown that kind of how we end things can determine how we overall feel about them. So if at the very end of your two hour painful dentist appointment, it doesn't feel as bad, then the one hour one, you'll actually remember the two hour dentist appointment more favorable, favorably. Wow. Yeah. So it's interesting because like we as humans kind of cling to like negative trauma. Yeah. A little more tightly. But if we finish things in a positive way, it can overall like raise how that experience felt. Yeah. Us. Like overrides the, the idea that that was not a good experience, yeah. but I made it through. So it can't be that bad. And it, doesn't that sound like college sports, yeah. right? Like, dear God, like how many workouts you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. You're like crawling on the ground, yes. and your coach is like, good job, and you're like, damn, yeah, you okay, right? Like, it was a yeah, good ass workout. We tough as hell. For yeah. real. <laughs> but I always think that's so interesting, and it like goes to show that a little bit of kindness can overall impact someone so much, right? Like if you kind of have a shitty experience with the barista. Like, they're being a dick yeah. all damn day, and at the very end, they're like, but I really like your shirt. You're like, they were kind of nice. <laughs> I like your shirt, too. Yeah. <laughs> if you need to go back to therapy, would that be something you're comfortable stepping back into? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would have no problem at all. Um, I think that uh, being, I'm actually certified in, like, mental health first aid, so some of the things that are like most important I think is that you have to understand that going to one therapist doesn't have to be like you're if you have an experience you don't like go try and find another therapist yes. like you don't have to stay with this person that doesn't make you comfortable you don't feel like you can open up to like don't let that be why well, I had a bad experience I can't go back because there's yeah. therapists everywhere I mean you could call somebody on the phone you could do it on zoom now yeah. you can go meet them in person there's so many different ways um and it's like dating yeah like it yeah. really is like you have to find the shoe that fits yeah you know? yeah and it may take some time but i think that mental health is work just like physical health mm -hmm. right like you're not gonna you're not gonna fix what's going on you're not gonna fix your body one day in the gym if you want to lose 20 pounds you can go to the gym for six hours and it won't happen that first day yeah but if you go for 45 minutes for six weeks you will see a difference in your body just like therapy like you're not going to fix it all in one day but if you can be consistent and say you know what i'm going to put the work in to do this because i care about myself yeah. and there's a lot of people who i feel like have great physical health and don't have the discipline for their mental health and it's like they're go they go together yeah. You know, so I think that's another three point. Yeah, completely. Do you feel like you currently have like a solid mental health routine? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm just a very self-aware individual. Yeah. Like, so if things aren't feeling right, I don't mind telling my loved ones, like, I'm just feeling off. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I've talked to some friends and, you know, I've turned 28 on Tuesday and I got a lot of friends who are getting engaged and getting married. Party and... at his place. <laughs> Everyone show up. Oh, <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of people are getting married and engaged. And it's just like, as a, nobody talks about how that affects a man. Like women, it's like, 
oh my god girl when are you gonna get married but nobody like with men with a man it's just like you know nobody thinks about that that can be impacting a man too like yeah. i'd like to get married too like i actually want to get married one day i have single friends and i have friends who are engaged and married and you know we often talk about like we aspire like we want to be in that spot too but like i'm not going to rush it or i'm not yeah. going to settle but it's definitely like dang like i'm probably not gonna have a kid until i'm like 30 at this point <laughs> like at yeah. least if i'm gonna wait until i get married and i'm just like that's so crazy to think about because when you're a kid, you're like, I'm going to have a baby when I'm, like, 23 or 24. Yeah, so you think that's up. old as hell? Yeah, you're like, oh, that's that's so <laughs> normal. Like, then you're, like, adding, like, how old will I be when they're 14 or 15? Yeah. Um, but now I'm like, I'm being an old dad. But, like, luckily I don't look that old, so it probably didn't, won't hurt me too much. Yeah, you but, got that baby face. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, we all think about. And, and then just tying it back to therapy that... If there was, if I felt like I needed to go back, I would have no problem going back, and um, I'd probably try to find Joyce again. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel that like younger generations should kind of look at therapy? Growing up, the way I looked at it was even stigmatized. Oh yeah. Um, and we we're talking about the generations below us. They don't give a fuck. Like at they, all. they're gung ho. They're gonna go for what they want. So I feel like it is getting normalized in that generation as well. But how can we kind of set that example? I think things like the Heartfelt Club, you know, it's in a place where young people can see it. You know, social media is so powerful and it has its negatives and things that are just like, wow, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it can be so powerful if we use it in the right way. It's like, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old boy or girl runs across the Heartfelt Club and it's like, wait, this is like normal? And they normalize because they see it on a platform they use all the time. Yes. You know? Um, it's not something mom and dad said, here, you need to go to the Heartfelt Club, you know? And hopefully at some point that is, you know? Yeah. But as of right now, it's at their fingertips and just thinking about how well you marketed with, you know, the barcode, you know, and just in the shirts and being able and having that information on hand um kids are know about are better with their phones than we are especially at their age so like being able to pull your phone out and be like what is that you know yeah. it's so it's so normal for them mm -hmm. so i think that we have to continue to push it but i think that there are worlds beyond where we are just about everything politics race religion sexuality like yes they're gonna talk about it they're gonna be about it they don't give a damn hell yeah so you know kudos to them yeah it is really nice to see all right so this man i value his opinion above a lot of people's like we have some crazy conversations for sure but today we're gonna see what the hat holds we got no cap going on <laughs> So we did a poll and we let people kind of decide what they wanted to hear us chit chat about. So I'm thinking we'll just pull a few and totally opinion based between the two of us. Right. We're going to discuss some shit. Would you like to go enter the no cap zone? <laughs> Let's see. Woo! Testing people. Ooh, yes. In relationships? Yeah, this, let's go. 
This is my toxic trait. <laughs> this is for sure my toxic trait. And I see now why it's toxic because it's not fair. Like I will set tests for men they don't even know about <laughs> and their ass is failing and they're like, wait, what is happening? Right. right? Like I remember in college, one of my biggest ones was I would let my man do whatever he wanted for sure. But in a bar, if a girl came up to talk to him and he didn't make eye contact with me from across the room, I was like, he cheating. <laughs> He's cheating. I'd be like, oh, get him, girl. And then we'd be in a fight because I'd be like, no, you should have looked at me. <laughs> he has no idea. He's like, well, He's you like... should have interrupted the conversation. And I'm like, nope, that's not my job. Like, you should have looked at me. <laughs> so I feel that we as women, at least a lot of women I know and myself included, this is what we do to an yeah. extent. Yeah, I've, I can't say I test people too much, but I definitely agree that women have like checkpoints in dating, whether it's like we're just dating or we are together. There's like, I'm going to see if he does this or not. Mm -hmm. but, and if he doesn't pass, then I'm going ghost. And you're like, well, I didn't even know. Like, if you, yeah. that's what you want, and just say that. I can do that. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's... I don't test people too much because I know I don't like to be tested. So I'm like, I, you, I can't do that one. Well, and I feel like if you want to build a solid relationship, it's like after said test, you kind of have to explain what happened, right? Like I needed to sit him down and be like, I would have liked you to still approach me this way. Right. Um, or whatever and then the second time is when maybe it's like a pass or fail yeah you yeah. know because then it's like you know my boundaries right can right. you respect them in that way that would be like the more sane way of going about it <laughs> yeah well i was not sane in college as you know understanding love languages oh lord this one man what? i had this conversation with byron and damani on their podcast and trying to be grown shot yep yep um love languages see now this is what i'll say <laughs> women say they have love languages they have all of them <laughs> y'all don't have no i have not yet just if a woman says that physical touch is not her love language she just don't want you <laughs> that's it because every woman is like i need you on me like a jacket at yeah. all times like be within my skin like <laughs> and yes say nice things do nice things like I don't even know all the love languages but I know for me it was like quality time nice and words of affirmation I can see that and um what is it like gifts or service or something yeah, like I love service. acts of service I don't even know how I still remember this me and my ex-girlfriend used to go about this go through this all the time because hers was like physical touch and all of them you know <laughs> like all of them so and that's so, I mean, like, with me, I think as a younger man, you don't understand how much, like, women really like to be touched. Yeah. Like, they just, they want you on them all the time. And I remember being, like, freshman in college, and I'm like, dang, like, she want me on her all the time. And it never <laughs> gave up. Never let up as long as we dated. And as an older man, you learn that, like, that's a part of dating. Like, yeah. That's just how women are chemically made up. Like, they want you on them, in their space. And if that's something you don't like, then you probably don't need to date. 
but they are important because if you can anything that gets a relationship to communicate yeah it's so important hey i don't like when you touch me like that or yeah. i don't like when you say those things yeah you know i I was like somebody who was like really playful and just like I'm walking by and I just like just like to nudge like nudge a girl on the shoulder like when I was dating her and she stopped me and she was like that's triggering for me because I dated a guy who was kind of abusive gotcha. and I was like oh wow so it's like I'm sorry right like yeah. I'm thinking I'm being playful and that's not something I mean we're walking down yeah. the street and I just bumper just and props play. to her for yeah. like sharing yeah. that with you so um Anything that makes you communicate is important, but Lord, it's like those doggone, <laughs> what do you call them? Astrology signs. Astrology <laughs> and, word and love languages. Well, I'm going to let you t tell me about well, you. Well, I mean, it comes in percentages, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that's interesting, my love languages are not what I expected. Mm -hmm. Like, I take the test and I'm like, oh, shit, that's true, but I would have thought it was this way. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that, like, we as people, honestly, you know how it's like, treat people how you want to be treated mm -hmm. that shit is so true in relationships right because i'm doing things that i would want you to do for me so right. like i'm serving you my love language as opposed to serving yours mm. so i think it's really interesting and i've had like really healthy relationships I've had really unhealthy relationships but the healthy ones it was like that where it's like this is how i like to be loved and i could provide that once mm -hmm. i knew and they could provide it for me as well. Yeah. You know, so I think that's really interesting. Love languages are worth, like, just hopping online and taking that test. Yeah. And I have this great website, which I will link below. I took that test. I took the anger test mm. to see, like, where you're at with, like, how you control your anger. Yeah. I still got a little work to do. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, you're no, doing all right. But they weren't, like, raving about me. It was uh, They were trying to say it in a nice way. I'm, like, smashing the computer. Yeah. Like, no, no. And then they have an apology test. Now, this is what I needed growing up, this apology test. Because it's like, people would come to me and apologize, like, profusely. Yeah. And I still couldn't be like, oh, we're good. Yeah. Like, I couldn't forgive them because there were certain things I needed mm -hmm. in that apology for me to take it seriously. Right. Which is really interesting and I honestly never, like, thought about. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's, like, worth checking on is, like, hopping in and doing those tests. Right. All right, let's pull another card, baby. Okay. Why is it so hard to communicate romantically? Oof. So this one, I DM'd them back and was, like, chit-chatting about it. So what they mean is, like, as friends, you can communicate, especially I feel like you, can communicate so well with your female friends. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when maybe sex is added or feelings are involved, it becomes so hard. Right. And I've definitely seen that. I've experienced it where it's like, I can talk to you about anything. Like, we're super transparent with each right. other. And then, like, the concept of romance gets mm -hmm. added. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to tell him that. Because, like, what if he sees me this way, you right. know? So, right. what's your opinion on that? You know, I'm like one of, it's hard because I think it's a personality trait where, I'm just like an open book anyway. Yeah. And I would like to over communicate. So, you know, this is what I always talk and I talk about this in my work when I do leadership counseling. But like you can have a difficult conversation now or a more difficult conversation later because it's Yes. You want to talk romantically with somebody 
you're gonna have to break that ice at some point you don't want to break it while you're laying in bed and you're like hey i'm interested in doing this and they're like no and you're just like okay well let me just go disappear yeah um so i mean i don't think it ever gets easy i think once you start to invest your time into people that are reciprocating the emotion then it becomes easier right it's like don't put all your eggs in this basket of in my case for a girl who's like not putting no energy back into it like you over here want to tell her who you are in every aspect of your life and she's just like oh that's cool and then like you obviously then you all of a sudden want to change gears to like you know i want to see you like let's move this to the next and she's like I barely respond when we talk. Like, where did you think that we were going? So it's like, read the room, right? Like, a woman will never lie to you when you're speaking romantically. She will never make up. She'll never fake a feeling. Like, once she wants things to be known, she makes it known, right? And at least that's from my own experience. So I don't think it's something that... I think it's... A conversation about romance should happen before you get there in the moment. Yes. Um, and just like pick your battles, like pick the difficulty level. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for real. I think for me, like because I am super, super transparent, it's also because I don't want to waste my time. Like I want to state my facts and see how you react so that I don't waste like seven months or something. You know what I mean? And right. that goes even with friends. Like I have so many girlfriends where I just like, shot my shot like I was like I want to be your friend you want to be my friend right and they're either like hell yeah girl or they're like ew weirdo and I'm like (laughs) well I didn't want you anyways (laughs) I'm like we don't need to be friends anyway so it's like to me it's a time saver Mm -hmm. like I want to know all the creep shit in your head if you're my friend and if we're gonna have sex I want to know even more of the creep shit yeah like please don't surprise yeah please stuff you want to try so I think like we as society also have to stop assuming like if you and I are dating and I want to talk about something I can't immediately assume how you're going to react mm-hmm. to that conversation yeah. right because I might be like he's gonna be so mad when I tell him this right and you might not even care like yeah. you might be like that's okay like I understand where you're coming from yeah. but if I don't give you that opportunity and I just right. assume like he's that- gonna be pissed I'm not doing it yeah then, then again makes it harder when yes. you get to a situation and he's reading things incorrectly okay how to help a partner who struggles with mental health I think this one is huge um, obviously as we talk about mental health all the time but it's also huge because it's a lot more simple than people think Um, just in the sense that like for instance there's an amazing book it's called option B and it's basically about a woman who tragically loses her husband like completely abruptly And then she felt like she lost all of her friends too because no one knows how to talk about hard conversations, right? right? So they choose silence over, they're afraid to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So I would say when you're with someone who struggles with mental health, it can be as simple as, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here for you if you'd like me to know. Mm -hmm. That can go miles, right? That can be okay, they'll respect when I can't get out of bed Mm -hmm. and I have to cancel our date, right? So I think it can be as simple as that and then you can learn the intricacies, like how they would like to be supported. Right, like give them the space to navigate. Give them space to navigate because 
if they're trying to date or you're dating, it's because they care a lot about you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to really, you have to give them the space and give them like an avenue to communicate if they like. And then I think if you really care about somebody, you do your own your own mental health research because like, yeah. you know, I think it's like um, dating somebody who's maybe disabled or handicapped or you're in an interracial relationship. There are things that you'll never understand about their lifestyle that you either need to ask about or like maybe you go do your own research because like you're taking on whatever they struggle with is now going to become your struggle if you really care about them. So if it's your mental health, then like you need to improve your own knowledge of mental health and what you can do to support them. And I think something like the Heartfelt Club is a good way you can do that. Yeah. And I think like, as you touched on, obviously it does depend on the level of seriousness within that relationship because there does come a point when you have to protect your own mental health. Mm -hmm. And if it's like, I'm, helping you to the best of my ability and it's still deteriorating for both of us yeah like it is totally appropriate to wish someone well and you know help them find resources and step away Mm -hmm. um so i think that's really important to touch on too but yeah so don't don't allow that silence like if you're with someone and you want to help them break the ice don't be afraid to say the wrong thing because it allows them space to let you know what's up and how to help so with that being said, I think it's a great time to do our calls to action. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go right ahead. Yeah, yeah I gotta think of mine. Alright, so as we kind of touched on with experiences and how to kind of make sure every experience you finish in a more positive light. So for the rest of this week or the next three days after you see this video, Try and end every interaction with another human being in a positive way. Even if that person is shitty, like don't let them steal your joy. Be like, you look amazing today as they cuss at you, right? (laughs) No, but seriously, end every interaction you can with a piece of positivity and see how it impacts your mood and let us know. Since this is the Heartfelt Club directed mostly towards men, I would say as a man, we need to prioritize the comfort of women, however you go about doing that, right? If it's how you communicate, if you're going on a date, let give her space, right? If you're talking to someone over social media or a dating app, like give her the space to tell you who she is or how she wants to be treated. Because too many times as men, we kind of project what we want out of the mm. relationship or the interaction and that creates uncomfortable space and you know we're trying to build comfort for everyone and if you like women you want them to be comfortable with you so that's my call to action yes to prioritize the comfort of women i love that awesome well thank you so much for stepping into the heartfelt clubhouse we are happy to have you and don't forget to go out there and be more heartfelt As always, if you or someone you know is in crisis, to speak with someone immediately, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-2855. That's 1-800-273-TALK. 
contact Lifeline Crisis Chat, or contact the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, at 800-950-6264, or text NAMI, N-A-M-I, to 741741. Thank you, and don't forget to be more heartfelt.